You're listening to the Deliberative Podcast. Welcome to the Deliberative, your weekly podcast all about exalted. I'm your host, Corey, and joining me today, as always, are Charles. Hey, and Jim. How's everybody doing? All right, great. Well, hey, uh, let's just get started here by talking about how our week has been in creation. What have you been up to? First, I'll tell you, I've just been continuing to read the core. I'm going through it, like I've said before, from a third time. Uh, digging through a lot of the mechanics this week. I've also been setting up some character seeds and story seeds on fivepoles.com, trying to get that all set up. And and uh, me and the kids have been trying to finish up on Tomb of Dreams. We haven't really made much progress each week while we sat down to play it, but because I'm still teaching them the system. But anyway, that's about what we've been up to. What about you, Charles? Well, I've also been trying to read through the core rulebook, and I've been bouncing around between sections a bit more than I should. Um, also, I've been working on, I wrote an article for our website, fivepoles.com, about preludes and their importance in an exalted game. Okay. And I finally, the best part of the week, hands down, I finally managed to convert my Starfinder slash Pathfinder group over to Exalted. Mm. Which, uh, yeah, took some, I will say it took some strong arming. But uh, we played <laughs> the first part of the quick start. Yeah, I'm, I'm not proud of it. But since they decided to switch, I have no remorse. They've um, taken their first steps into a far larger world. <laughs> um, we played the first part of the quick start, and at the end of the night, they said that they didn't really want to continue it. They'd rather create their own solars. So, uh, oh, so you guys this, didn't finish? I didn't know that you didn't finish. How far did no, you get? We honestly not very far. We <laughs> had um, well. I mean, we were all still kind of learning the system. We. Right. One of my characters played Mirror Flag, so the first potential spoilers with... ahead. Potential spoilers ahead. Yes, spoilers ahead. Um, <laughs> so our interaction with the Wolf Emanation went a little strange, and mm. then they met Suma, the River God, and then went down to the trench where they found the armory and all the artifacts, and then they got mm. in the fight with basically this giant lava kraken and that's where we ended it and they that's had a pretty lot of much fun. where i've ended it with my girls that's that's right where we're at we just finished uh -huh. the fight with the kraken <laughs> um i i i didn't know if we'd be able to finish the whole thing or more than that i figured we'd get further than we did honestly but uh mm -hmm. no it was a lot of fun um we're it's just going to take a little while before the whole withering and decisive and initiative parts of combat become second nature like right. the d20 system is for us but at the end of the night i asked them what they thought and they said they had a lot of fun and instead of continuing through the quick start they decided that they would rather just create their own characters so mm. this wednesday we're going to finish our last session of well we're going to wrap up the first adventure of the starfinder adventure path dead, mm. dead sons yeah, and uh, after that, that shouldn't take us, but probably about two hours. Then we're going to start building, um, doing some character building, and talking nice. about what kind of game they want to play. Yeah, it's good. It's a good yeah, sign they, that uh, when they do that, it was going to say it's a good, good sign that um, that they wanted to do that on their own. You, you didn't have to be that storyteller that twisted their arm like, okay, guys, let's uh, let's make your own right. characters now and. But it's good that yeah. that they're you know hey when it's time to get out of the quick start and go into your own game that's where the fun really begins. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know I was talking with Corey about it and um, <laughs> totally lost my train of thought. Yeah, basically at the end I said you know these solars from the quick start aren't really as powerful as like a real solar should be. They right, have, they're they missing have a, lot a lot fewer charms. Yeah. Um, and they don't have fact, artifacts when you start out, you know. Exactly. And I think Volfer, who has the most charms, if I'm not mistaken, only has nine. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I understand why they did that. It's a, it's kind of a complex system. It's certainly very different from every other system. So they didn't right. want to just overwhelm a new player with 
so much stuff to keep actual good melee charms or anything like that (laughs) no no reason for those (laughs) but honestly they gave the like very simple vanilla charms which i think is important in a quick start it's not very fun for people who know how powerful your character can actually be if you create it from scratch but you know if you're a news storyteller or you have a group of completely brand new exalted players i think that accessibility needs to be the first thing because right. I would agree. honestly the complexity of the game is kind of a turnoff for a lot of people I think. yeah so yeah having that quick start be kind of simple is very important right so we did that and then finally i'm going to be recording my first episode for my companion podcast chatting with the chuckster this coming week so uh okay yeah, I'll probably try to do that Tuesday and look for releasing that on Thursdays. Awesome. I think that'll be great. I can't wait to, to hear it. What about you, Jim? What'd you do this week? Well, I think we had a uh, listener bust me on the character sheet. <laughs> I <laughs> uh, Apparently, my guy was so great in martial arts, he didn't need the four-dot merit for... <laughs> for martial arts well in honesty in honesty um i i think i was i was just so frazzled and flipping back and forth and putting him together and kind of tweaking him that i remembered seeing martial arts and four dots beside it when i was creating that character sheet but that was the actual ability i had four dots in and i forgot yeah. to purchase the merit <laughs> Uh-oh. Which was a four dot man. <laughs> so that has been corrected. And Corey right. also busted me on the fact that I have a hearthstone, but I didn't I didn't write it down on the sheet. So didn't pick a hearthstone. I did right? I didn't pick a hearthstone. So I went through and I was looking through the hearthstones and you know, it was just a two dot hearthstone and I couldn't find anything that really fit my character. So I said, you know what, we've been talking about making this game your own. So uh I said, Corey, what do you think about me just building one he said sure you know do it so uh, I came up with a two dot hearthstone and basically that hearthstone is you know I designed what it did and we we, we figured out that it, it kind of fit in with with a with the wood wood aspect yeah. or a hearthstone of wood so right. it, the hearthstone is called the troubled stranger and basically what it does is anyone within a two mile radius of the hearthstone becomes nause- uh, nauseated and they're unable to eat or drink anything with and will not be able to keep it down. So Jeez. Um, what that is, is um, also there's a limitation on this hearthstone. There's the, it has to be unmoved for 24 hours. So you couldn't just carry it around with you all the time and say, oh, oh everybody's getting sick. You know, the, but right. What it was designed for was the character who had a man, a manse. This was an, another layer of protection for his people. If him and his soldiers were out, would it would alert that there was a stranger in the area because you know the sick guy. Um, th- right. That would immediately draw attention. Uh, draw attention to that person. So to design this Hearthstone, I I went off went off the uh, the Health Stone. I used that as kind of a template. Um, out of the core book, which basically says, you know, food keeps twice as long in, in this two mile radius. So I said, okay, I want to do the opposite of that. I want to make people sick within a two mile radius. So that was a good building block uh, to kind of base the Hearthstone, what it was. And we got a write up on that on the on the website attached right. to the character yeah, sheet. The character sheet. So right. yeah, just designing a two dot two two dot hearthstone based out of what's already in the core and uh of course i've been reading through the core book and i've got kind of a project that i was thinking about keeping secret but i may let a little bit out Uh now that um charles has mentioned the quick start and i like the quick starts and y'all y'all said positive things about them but the thing about the quick start is it's kind of been the same over the years it's uh, hey here's some go to a tomb find your stuff exactly (laughs) you know it's it's almost like a a fetch quest 
So yeah, exactly. I'm working on, and this this is a long term project, but basically, I want to design a kind of like in between a hybrid between a quick start and a, like a module where you okay. can just sit down with guys who've never played Exalted and and run with it but it's a little more in depth than just a simple let's go find some artifacts kind of thing yeah that's cool uh, you know what i'd like to see and you may be planning this but uh the one thing that's always kind of the problem with those here's a here's a tomb get your stuff uh kind of adventures is that yeah it kind of lets anybody you know bring any kind of personality or whatever to the character that they want but Exalted is so full of personality, it would be cool to have something that said, this is who your character is. He's intimately tied to this story. Here's how. You know, like, for instance, you guys are on the run from the Wild Hunt. You've, you've encountered them three times before, and now you're coming up on this town. You don't know if they've got there before you or whatever. You know? So, like, it puts them actually in the story in a way that, that makes them integral characters rather than a... You don't really know who you are. You don't know where you came from. But hey, there might be a cool sword in here for you. Right, and we kind of you know, we kind of I mean, added that flavor together when we were doing. Was it return return to the tomb of return? Yeah, five corners. Yeah, the second edition. Quick we kind of had right. this little. <laughs> we had this little. Um, this little battle between the Nightcast and uh, Morning Breeze, who was the Zenith, where Zenith, yeah. they just. They bickered a lot. They did not get along. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it was pretty good. And yeah, our, that was good. Our, we had like our absent-minded Don Don casts where we <laughs> <laughs> we made fun of him because uh, he wouldn't react, and uh, so yeah, we poked yeah. a little fun at him too. But uh, yeah, that was fun. Right. That was good, good stuff. But yeah, that's what that's what I've been working on in, in Exalted this week. Awesome. Awesome. Well, last week, one thing that we did and uh, kind of a new thing for us is that we issued a challenge. We were talking all last week. For those of you who haven't heard, what are you doing listening to this episode? Go back and listen to the previous episodes. But uh, (laughs) for those of you who did hear episode number two, we talked a lot about sorcery. We talked about spells and we talked about how uh, the players are really intended to design their own spells to match the flavor of their character their sorcerer and to prove that it was doable we issued a challenge to ourselves to uh, make a new spell this week and we said it should be sort of based on one of the ones that's already there so that we're not too far off when it comes to cost and effect and all that kind of stuff but we wanted a brand new spell for each one of us so jim you want to go first with your spell Sure, I can do that. Um, the spell that I designed is called The Liar's Telltale. And it's... Okay. Let me just tell you what it does. Um, basically, <laughs> the sorcerer does his does his spell and um, like he's... As he's casting it, these dark ink swirls are through the air and they he blasts the target with this ink which kind of like if successful it just disappears and you're like well what just happened but the ink is kind of embedded into their body and what it does is it kind of it's a curse so that when this person tells a lie that lie is written on their skin in the form of a tattoo and if they try to (laughs) cut If they try to cover it up, the tattoo will move across the body so that it can be exposed. So if they are consistently lying, they have all these tattoos that are just appearing. And, and it just says the words of the lie. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't reveal the truth. So, And if they, they could successfully cover their entire body, but that's a punishment within itself, right? right. But yeah, if you just, oh man, my, my arm. So you put a glove on, then that it creeps up the arm, you know, to the exposed shoulder, or it may move mm. across to the other arm. So the only way to, to dispel the tattoo, the person actually has to go up to the person that they told the lie to and confess the truth and admit that they lied the last time they talked to them. Mm. So it was kind of like nice. a, 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 kind of like a social charm, I would, I, or a social right. spell, you know, someone lying like especially if you're um 
you know, you throw this on somebody like if you're you got a big meeting or something, and then you start seeing tattoos mm-hmm. appear on them while you're talking to them. Uh, well, but it might it might actually cause some trouble with the meeting if you before you went into the meeting you started mumbling some sorcerer's words and shot ink at somebody. <laughs> I think they would know. I think they would know something's up. Well, you, you could also um, what cast a spell on yourself. And carry it, and and pass it along with a with a handshake or a touch, so that they wouldn't even know. Oh, is that? That's the that's only if it's your control spell, though, right? Right, right, right. If it's your control spell. Oh, okay. So, so, so it's kind of cool. like corrupted words, you know, in that if you if it's your control spell, you can do it with a little less fanfare, so that it's not noticeable. Yeah, you can. Yeah, that's cool. Little sleight of hand and corrupted words was actually the spell this was based off of so so this is this is a terrestrial circle spell correct then, i guess correct okay so yeah we just i like just it. took corrupted words and kind of you know made it my own you know so That's right i mean cool. it's not it's not the same thing as corrupted words i mean by far you know i mean there's yeah, this is this is a very i mean it's they're both social they both involve speaking but this one is you know very different in terms of like it calls out the lie so yeah that's this this is not something that existed before so this is a uh this is a good addition to the system and it would be a great addition to a character who you know really focused on truth righteousness you know and all that kind of stuff or somebody who's just a or i guess i don't know a con man investigator or whatnot <laughs> a con man that didn't want to get beat at his own game Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Or just somebody who likes uh, tattoos uh, that are lie to you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right. Well, what, let's see. Uh, one of the, the one that I put together, I, I based it on, you know, I said last episode that my favorite spell of the new uh, Dragonblooded book was the, um, or was it two episodes ago? Anyway, I can't remember. The Spoke the Wooden Face. Right, I, right. I absolutely love that spell. Episode so one. I took that spell. Yeah, that was episode one. Okay, so I took that spell and I just kind of, I tweaked it a little bit to make it into something new and unique. Uh, so I call this one Piercing the Veil of Flame. And this oh. is, again, a terrestrial circle spell. It is uh, seven modes, one willpower. It lasts for the whole scene. And the way it works is sitting close to any fire that is the size of a campfire or larger the sorcerer draws his face to within 12 inches of the flame staring intently into the fire and then entering a trance he searches through the ever-shifting tongues of flame to project his senses into any other fire in creation oh wow and at first (laughs) he glimpses seemingly random images and locations but he may focus his attention with a successful wits plus occult role the difficulty dependent on the distance his desired target is from his current location. So if the target's within a day's journey, difficulty is one. Beyond that, if the target's within the same cardinal direction, like if, if you're in the south and your target is in the south, or if you're in the east and your target's in the east, or if both of you are on the Blessed Isle, the difficulty is a three. And if the target is located in a different cardinal direction, so you're in the you're in the north, he's way off in the west, the difficulty is five. If the target is simply nowhere near a fire during the time of the attempted scrying and of course that's up to the storyteller then there is no chance of success whatsoever so the sorcerer will instead cast his senses to the nearest fire to that target which can be quite random and then uh, for the control spell i said a sorcerer with this as his control spell may make a presence plus a cult roll with a difficulty equal to that of the original roll to find his target in order to cause the fire on the other end of the spell to grow suddenly larger potentially setting structures <laughs> objects and people on fire wow <laughs> that's awesome that's so <laughs> yeah so you you're just you're looking you're looking through this fire you're checking somebody out and then you just you know what i'm gonna burn his house down <laughs> <You know? laughs> <So>. <laughs> but i think that there could also be some fun if if the person's not near a fire right and you end up looking out the closest fire to your target that could give you some interesting information also. Right. You know, like what if, you know, the fire looks out of a nursery and there's a baby rocking in a carrot or in a little, uh, in a little bassinet or something. And it's like, is that the child of my target? You know, like, yeah. you know, there's, there's all kinds of sort of interesting things. Or maybe, maybe there's people on the planes, like they've got a cook fire 
and the target is barely visible like off in the distance from the cook fire you know right so like he's nowhere near a fire but he's like way over there and you can kind of see him yeah so there's there's all kinds of fun things well from a storyteller perspective um let's say you wanted your group to find something out and they're using this spell hey that's a good spot to throw in like a little piece of information that you could just work into the story like oh they kind of missed this but now that he's using this spell maybe i can let him hear a conversation that i want him that i want them to know about so as a storyteller if if someone casts this you know look for those little opportunities to drop that information that they may have missed earlier in the game that you wanted them to know big narrative narrative impact of something like this yeah so that's mine very similar to spoke the wooden face you know you're looking through something distant you know but um but you know a little different too and a bit of an attack opportunity what about you chuck what'd you come up with so i made a celestial circle spell called molding of the lesser mind the cost is ritual and three willpower so you can't use this during combat uh, no keywords and the duration is permanent mm. and I'll read out the description Okay. lawgivers are the mighty warriors and priests of old given dominion over all of creation they use their might and their words to sway history but sometimes those they seek to influence manage to shake off the words of the wise molding of the lesser mind is one of the tools the sorcerer can use to correct that the sorcerer must have a piece of material of value to the target whether that be a scrap of clothing a cherished book or even a lock of hair. During the course of the spell, which takes eight hours to complete, the sorcerer subsumes the item completely with her essence. Once this is complete, the sorcerer must roll essence plus manipulation and can then implant a number of thoughts or memories equal to the successes rolled into the subject's mind. The subject gains Mm. no chance to protect themselves from this effect. Um, and you can use this in one of two ways. You may use these memories or thoughts to affect one of the subject's intimacies. The target difficulty for affecting a minor intimacy is one. It's three for a major and five for a defining. Memories used in this way can only change an intimacy by one level. So Mm. you could uh, swell a minor intimacy to a major intimacy, or uh, you could bring a defining down to a major. Right. Secondly, hmm. you can attempt to plant memories and thoughts which create a new intimacy. Newly created intimacies can only be created at the minor level, and the target difficulty for this is four. I have two written down, but it's four. Hmm. If this spell fails, it cannot be attempted again on the same target for one year and one day. Ooh, I like that. And if Molding of the Lesser Mind is the Sorcerer's Control spell... She needs only to have attempted a social influence action against the subject within essence months. I, th- I think you should have named this one the Leonardo DiCaprio because it's Inception. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it is. It is. But, um, you know, I was reading through some of the social charms the other night, and a lot of them were really cool, especially some of the higher ones, but you have to take so many dang charms to get some of those effects and mm. you could never use enough charms to get all of the effects that you could with this spell right. which right. is ultimately what led me to create it right so uh I, you know with the way that you've kind of defined the limits there that you know you can only move these intimacies by one you know essential you know one step or whatever that that does kind of actually control some of the um some of the memory like like it's actually the content of the memory that it's controlling like for instance uh if you you know if the person had an intimacy a defining intimacy toward their spouse right uh you couldn't implant enough memories like like i i would think i would think that if you implanted a bunch of memories of adultery and of like you know killing your your favorite puppy you know, so so like okay you, you implant a memory of, of my wife uh you know sleeping around with a bunch of people uh killing my beloved pet uh eating all of my chips right like all, all these different things 
You know, I mean, I like how those are all clearly on the same level. (laughs) Where are the Pringles? (laughs) Why? Why don't you know I love the baked baked potato flavored Pringles? How how could you do this to me? Oh, now you're just a minor intimacy. Now I'm left with just plain Fritos. (laughs) I can't stand these Fritos. Who would eat these? But uh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, like if you if you implant certain memories, you would think that they would change the intimacies more. So you actually, I think, have to think about when you're changing memories or implanting new memories, like how that memory just brings it to the to like one level down. You know, that makes sense. Like, I think one of the things I thought about the first time I heard I hear this, I'm thinking implant a memory of the person killing and eating their family. What does that do to you? Like, like, what does that do to you? <laughs> like, last night, oh no, last night I I killed and ate my family. Like, it just, it's such a, it's such a wild thing, you know? Of course, that would be something that could be easily proven or disproven. You just walk into the other room, like, oh, there's my family. Well, why do I remember killing and eating them? Maybe it was just a dream. But, uh, but yeah, that, it's it's definitely very interesting and something that's not covered by the spells that we have uh, right now. So I like it. Uh, what about what about how, how how did you feel when when you were developing these spells? Was it was it fun to develop a spell? Was it hard? Did you learn anything? Well, one thing that I was really worried about was coming up with a spell was cross checking it with charms and making sure that the spell I came up with mm. wasn't something that was just. You know that kind of lost its flavor because it was our it already existed in a charm. It's a very good point. So yeah, I, I did check that, and I basically I was looking for something to compare it to, which um, fortunately there was a spell already there. So I, I kind of wanted to to know what the limits would be, you know, and what the cost would be, and and stuff like that. And it wasn't well. I would say. Was it hard? Was it fun? Um, if I was building a character, it would probably be more on the fun aspect. Because when I designed a right. two-dot Hearthstone for a character I designed, it was a lot easier. And I kind of had a really yeah. good idea of what I wanted to do. And it was fun. It was more fun because, you know, hey, this, this is going along with my character. But just if, you know onyx path hired me to like write a book of 50 spells i'd be like oh man i don't know if i could do this this you know because it wasn't intimately tied to a character i was already building but if i'm designing characters and designing spells yeah i'm going to keep that spell tucked in a folder somewhere so that you know if someone wanted some example spells like here here's some here's some ones i came up with but they probably won't work directly for you because they were designed specifically for my character which is what i like about the system it gives you that ability to to design things for your character that fit your character because it's always hard when you start altering your character to fit things that are just pre-written right yeah yeah what about you chuck how'd you feel um, it was fun, but uh, I'm not going to lie. It was very difficult. Originally, I had an idea for a spell that allowed you to turn into sunlight and travel immense distances in a very short period of time and then also be able to heal some damage. But then that <laughs> wow. spell literally Just kind of a jack of all trades there, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you, yeah, you can it, have it like buy groceries for you while you're at it. Okay. Well, you know what? It was the first time I tried doing that. All right. No, but in all seriousness, the first couple of ones that I came up with very quickly turned out to be basically already existent within the lore, right. either as a charm or as a spell. And um, so it was, it was difficult. I think that, Oh man, I I'm just not used to creating that stuff on my own because I've played right. Pathfinder for so many years that right. I have never had to and I wouldn't say that I'm not a creative person, but part of that creative center in my mind has never developed because I've never had to develop it. Yeah. I see that. And that's part of what terrifies me about switching to Exalted is I'm going to have to do that so much. Right. Oh my gosh, dude, it's so scary. 
it's so scary. Well, it's not as bad as it's not as bad as you think. And uh, you know, we'll have we'll we'll do a discussion sometime on how to create your own campaign and think through building a story because there are some amazing tools out there that I've been using for a long time that I think are just awesome. And I think that it's worth sharing with uh, with the folks on the show. So we'll uh, we'll look at doing that on a future episode, <clears throat> and I'll certainly. I'll certainly pass those along to you before you get started with your group there. Right. So I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun uh, doing the, doing the spell. Um, I, I didn't think it was very hard, but then again, I've, I've come up with a whole bunch of stuff. I've written books, I've written stories and things before. So I, I just, to me, it wasn't, it wasn't difficult, but I enjoyed the process of trying to come up with something new. Um, And I did not do what you guys did of like looking through the charms to see if something like had already done that. Well, of course, for one reason, I don't ever remember a charm that could look through fire. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but so I did, but I didn't even think about doing that of like comparing it to charms. I guess if I'm going to do some kind of social spell or something like that, I definitely need to look for it. Um, I think most of the time, you know, if you're, if you're used to most of the solar charm set, at least you would know like, okay, we don't need a spell that makes you jump higher. Cause there's a charm that does that. So I, w- I would be looking a little elsewhere, but it is a very good point. Cause some of the higher essence charms uh, do get really close to sorceress type effects. So uh, that is something that needs to be looked at. Well, so that's good. Well, a mortal, uh, a mortal that would, um, tap into the terrestrial circle that may be beneficial to them something like that oh you know what that's true that's absolutely true because they don't have access to charms so maybe they do need a spell that makes them jump higher for a scene or something right so yeah well that that makes sense i mean you you rarely think about the fact that mortals could be casting some of these spells but that is true except that's not really I mean, that's not what this game is about, though. Like, no one's going to take the Exalted Rules set and play an entire campaign of mortals. Right? Well, don't say don't say that, because there are people out there that do. And there's a lot of people out there who will play uh, their characters as mortals up until their exaltation. So, and that can sometimes take, mm. you know, 10, 20 sessions. Uh, but, you know, I, I definitely remember wow. back in the, the second edition days... Uh, reading on the forums and whatnot. First of all, they had rules for how to play as mortals that were... I, there may be rules for how to play as mortals in the third edition core. I kind of think there are. Right. But I, I definitely remember them in the second edition. Well, more, th- and, more than uh, just I, Exalted exists in the world. They have the... What was the God-Blooded? The, the mortals? Right. And, uh, I mean, the you have the lunar spawn children, like the Beastman. Right. And one of the... One of the uh, groups of people that I actually threw out an idea for back when we had our play-by-post site for a potential chronicle that we or a potential series that we could run was uh, with everybody being uh, ghost-blooded, uh, living in Sajan right. as like guardians of the tombs, you know. And you always so, have antagonists yeah. that you want to design, and some of those could be mortal that with access to terrestrial spells. Yeah, that's true. I guess that so. Is there's true, definitely yeah. use for it. There's definitely use for it. Well, that's all good, and we'll take these spells and we'll put them up on our website, fivepoles.com, and we'll, you know, every time we create something like that, we'll stick it out there so that others can use it, and I think that'll just be a good developing um, resource for folks who play this game. Well, uh, we want to have as a discussion this week, you know, normally we put our, uh, our messages from listeners, emails, voice recordings, whatever, toward the end of the show. But this fella who sent us one this week, the, the question was so good and so relevant that I wanted us to have our main discussion about it this week. So let's go ahead to the, to the message machine here and see what our friend Cedric had to say. Hi guys, uh, this is Cedric from uh, Belgium. Uh, sorry, I ain't got any chocolate or beer to share. Just this air quote question. Uh, the we never lose problem. How do you guys solve it? See, um, unless you're ramping up the opposition way high, any halfway decent solar can and will po- probably cut right through the trouble. What's your take on this? How do you uh, solve the we never lose problem? So, uh, here's to you. Thanks again, and have fun. All right. Well, first of all, I just love this guy. I love the way he <laughs> asked the question. I love the question itself, and uh, and yeah, and I can't wait to I can't wait to talk about this. So, so his question is: 
What about the we never lose problem in Exalted? When you're dealing with solar exalts, they're at the absolute top of the food chain, the the absolute highest power level other than like, you know, divinities themselves. And even even some of them are going to get their their butts handed to them by a solar. But so they're, they're at the very highest level of power. So if they're so powerful, how can anything ever challenge them? You know, they can they can defeat their enemies through strength. They can defeat their enemies through social interaction. Uh, so if, if they can't lose, how do you make it challenging? And he did bring up the point, you know, some people, they ramp the difficulty up like crazy. And I've seen this on the forums. I've seen people talk about how they just add, you know, a certain number of dice or certain number of successes or certain number to an enemy's, uh, defenses, you know, just to ramp everything up, make it more difficult. But is that the answer? What do you think, Charles? Uh, a resounding no. That sounds okay. really terrible. That sounds like the problem that you have in D&D when you get to like 15th level and everything starts becoming like save versus death because your character right. is so powerful that, you know, mechanically they're like, well, how do we keep you from just blasting through this adventure with no challenge? And then it almost becomes like this 50-50, like we either win yeah. or we lose right. everything. Flip a coin. Flip a coin. Yeah, yeah. that's not good. I mean, that's okay it here and there, but it really becomes kind of a toxic problem at higher levels. So with Exalted being so more... I mean, you're basically starting at 20th level in Exalted. So yeah, in order to keep that problem from existing right from the get-go, I think you have to look at um, the kinds of things that you're trying to achieve as a solar from the very beginning right so i know i had asked the question on the forums like what's the end game for a solar campaign and a lot of people and in fact it seemed like most people said well the kind of the the arc of a solar campaign other than the obvious answer of it can be whatever you want it to be was basically try to right the wrongs you know so i don't think it's so much about like, man, I can never kill the players in my Exalted game, but it's more about giving them, like, giving giving them choices where no matter what they pick, something is going to have a negative consequence, right? right. So they can, they can either save the city from this massive tidal wave that will be hitting them in, a, in an hour, but by doing so, it will require so much essence expenditure that... It will expose them and draw, you know, this death lord that's hunting them to the city, which will destroy it anyways. So it's mm. not so much that you're saying, here's this death lord that's basically impossible to beat because he gets, you know, 40 dice on every attack. But it's like, you know, no matter what you do, you're kind of screwed, right? So you're trying mm. to do these good things but that's part of the great curse, unless I'm misunderstanding, is that the good that solars do... Right. You know, you're just talking about challenging them in in different ways rather than just simply mechanical fight and whatnot through through difficulty of choices or through, uh, you know, consequences of, of events and whatnot. And, and I think that that's really good. I mean, I think that, that that's where the challenge is. Um, I mean, first of all, when I think about can solars lose or solars can't lose, I, just the question itself... I'm I'm reminded of the fact that the Solars did lose. Right. Right? When they <laughs> right. were at the absolute height of their power, they lost. When everything was like under their control and they could just nuke whole continents and everything else, they still lost. And the way they lost was not by being vulnerable in one-to-one -one combat. Right. There was not some like giant enemy that had the, the right number of dice to roll to, quote unquote, challenge the solar. Right. So it wasn't because they were val uh, vulnerable in combat and it wasn't because people were able to beat them in social uh, interactions or refute their logic in an argument or whatever. They lost because they allowed their absolute power to put them in this situation that um, essentially caused the sidereals to, you know, get very concerned about where the world was going because of this great curse and because of their cruelty and everything else, they put themselves at, at risk of their own people, the, the dragon bloods, their lieutenants, 
those are the ones that killed them and they killed them because because they had become such jerks because they had let the power go to their heads that they, the, they lost the trust of the people under them and they began to you know everyone began to view them as monsters and the, that they had to be put down and then the whole sort of creation essentially turns on them and puts them down and i think that that's still the danger today and i think i said before well actually let, let's just do a reality check here in all the games we ever played of exalted did even one player character take even one point of bashing lethal or aggravated damage no no (laughs) (laughs) no nobody ever took damage ever right and and i think that i think that what a lot of people think you know it's like when they think about challenge and role-playing games or whatnot they think that you have to bring out some monster that's going to be able to you know put some serious dings in these solars or these dragon bloods or whoever you're playing and I just don't think that's necessary to tell a good story. I mean, uh, I, I wouldn't have been upset if any of our characters would have taken damage. And certainly we got into some pretty big fights. But like, you know, the fact to me, to me, the difficulty and the challenge is like you walk up to uh, the leader of the town who is corrupt or whatever. He's like, let, let's say he's making a speech in public. Well, you have the power to just jump on stage with him, grab him by the sides of his head, and just just pop it. Brains everywhere. And then turn and look at the crowd and go, I'm the king now. Right? I mean, like, you have right. the power to do that. But then all those, like, little girls in the front row that have, like, now they got brains, like, on their faces or whatever. They're like, oh, mommy, it's scary. Right? <laughs> it's like a horrific and, like, Gallagher show. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Should have worn the poncho front rows. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, so you you're already you've you've lost the people, right? Like, you've already lost the people. Can you dominate them by your force of your will? Yes. You know, can you dominate them by the force of arms? Yes. Does that mean that they're going to love you? No. Will they kill you in your sleep? You? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, they'll just rise up. Like, So you, you could get into those those kinds of problems. So I think that you have to be careful. I always enjoyed, like, to me, one of the most fun things about playing the Dawn cast is, like, you can, you can literally kill anybody, everybody. Like, you are <laughs> the man, right? <laughs> And I love just like walking down the hall around normal people, knowing that I could kill anybody and everybody, but choosing not to do it. To me, that's like ultimate power, right? Right. Just like that confidence, that coolness of knowing like, dude, yeah, I could beat you. Like I could, I could take you to fight, but I don't have to, I'm not gonna, that's not who I am, you know? And, uh, and, and so I think that that's a big, that's a big part of the challenge and, and just, you know, your storyteller is going to be going to be designing stories and whatnot that, you know, kind of complicated to figure out how to solve. Like maybe there's mysteries, maybe there's all this other kind of stuff. And, and just getting through it and getting to the end, I think, is challenge and, and uh, engagement all on its own. I always hated the video games that made you try to do the same level six million times until you learned the exact timing of everything. And now finally you got it. And you've passed that level. Ninja Gaiden. Oh, my gosh. Ninja Gaiden. But yeah, I mean, games like that where it's like you have to literally memorize every, like, split second of a level to get through it. I, I want to make – I want it to seem like it was difficult but still never die. You know? Like, like, like I want to get to the end of the game and be like, oh, man, that was that, some of those things seem pretty tough. Did you ever die? No, not once. Actually, I was never really even close to dying. But I still felt like it was challenging, right? You know? I mean, that's that's my goal. I don't know. What do you think, Jim? Well, when you come to a game like Exalted, you have to like completely reprogram every other role-playing game out of your system. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, we're not hanging out in the noob levels killing warthogs so that we can get, <laughs> uh, you know, more and more power. We are right. powerful. You're an Exalt. So the way I think about this, and I've got a couple of comparisons. Um, consider, consider Superman. Superman mm-hmm. is a comic that's been running for a long time, 
But when you right. think about Superman, who is like his greatest nemesis? Is it like the most powerful guy that can like destroy worlds like Doomsday? No, the the best nemesis was Lex Luthor. And mm. could he hold a candle to Superman in a fight? No. Superman could crush him at any point. Anytime he just got mm-hmm. tired of Lex Luthor, he could just crush him. But Lex always attacked him in a non-combative way. Like, you know, he tried to kill him Mm -hmm. whenever he could, but it was, what can I do to this guy to make him look bad to the people that he's trying to save? What situation Mm -hmm. can I stick him in where he comes out looking like the untrustworthy guy and Lex Luthor comes out uh, looking like the greatest hero of mankind. You know, at one point, Lex Luthor became the president of the United States in the comic books. So, how in the world Spoiler does alert. Superman... Oh, oh, this is years ago. If you ain't, you ain't figured this out by now, you're, you're in trouble. Um, um, but... And another approach. Um, watch a bunch of martial arts films. If you want to see some how an exalted game is supposed to run, Jackie Chan, scene one, right. takes out 20 dudes with like a ladder and a bucket and a, and, and a, and a mop. Mm. You know, and he looks awesome doing it. You know what? Yeah. Your characters have to look awesome. Like, as a storyteller, it's your job to make your players look awesome. Now, you're yeah. supposed to challenge them. I would say it's a them. player's job. To look awesome. Well, well, you're but. supposed to put them, you, you know, all right, it's act one, scene one, an abyssal comes out of the ground. No, 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 you, you, you're not doing yeah. that to your guys. Throw right. a little bit right. of fodder. Let them get to, especially yeah. if they haven't done a fight club, let them get to learn right. their character. What can I do and what can I not do? Where, where can I look awesome? Um, but the, the game, the game of Exalted, it's like a pact between the players and the storyteller. Like, look, guys, we're going to come together and we're going to create this really awesome story. And you guys are the stars. Right. And I'm the director. Yeah. And I'm going to throw things your way and different challenges and different puzzles. And it's not all about combat. Um, good example, the uh, Unearth game that we played. Um where mm-hmm. I had a dragon blood fire aspect and Charles was playing an air aspect. And we go down into this underwater uh, thing and we're having to, we have to retrieve this AI. Well, when we get down there, we find that it's actually implanted in the body of a little girl. Wow. Mm-hmm. What do we do? So Charles, <laughs> Charles is like really torn. Like, oh man, this is a little kid. And I, well, uh, my character Baku goes up and chops her head off. Um, so, but I was that, very upset about that. That created yeah, was, a lot of tension, there was, there but was just quite between, a just between <laughs> our characters, that created a lot of tension, and it was really fun to role play that out. You know, and the whole place is crashing around, around, uh, crashing all around us, and. You know, like, well, we got to get out of here, back to the sub. So, you know, the whole time we're swimming back to the sub, we're saving each other's life, knowing good and well there's going to be a big conversation that needs to be had about, <laughs> right. uh, about this little girl's head that's in your hand, you know. And But that, yeah. that made for a great story. It was so good. But, you know, it, yeah. it, wasn't, it right. didn't take but two or three dice to chop her head off, but... Yeah. It made uh, it made for some you say that great. so callously. <laughs> He's a monster. Well, <laughs> that's what you get she when you start playing D anD D at six well, years old. Well, I mean, if if you knew the character, the character was he was a lost egg seed, and he owed everything about himself. The fact that he was pulled out of nothing and educated and and groomed. As a dynast, even though he was born outside to like, I think his mother was a harlot or something, he owed everything to Charles's character's father. Well, well, Charles was kind of like this kind of spoiled guy a little bit who had always been with his father. So he questioned his father a lot. So when he got in this situation, he was like, no, I can't do this. I'm going to stand up to the old man. And uh, Baku was like... Your old man did everything for me. I'm doing exactly what he says and chops her head off. So, 
you know that yeah one. so so <laughs> nobody takes a point of damage in that oh in yeah that encounter no one but the difficulty is like you know the, like there's all kinds of difficulty and challenge there right you know right i think it's a perfect example i mean that that's what the game is supposed to be about that's what the high power level allows you to make the game about right right in a way that I think all these games that are like a much lower power level, I don't think they allow you to have, well, yeah, I, I can't say that. I, I guess you can, you can role play out stuff like that. But I just think that, that having this freedom of, you know, not needing to be challenged every five seconds in a mechanical sense allows for a lot more uh, social and moral and what, whatever kind of challenges to come into play. So, well, yeah, do, a really does a director example. complain? when he has the best actors for his film like if he got some sub b you know b grade actors he's like well they're they're really going to be challenged here because you know they're not good actors he's like no i got the best actors now i can do anything i want to with them right yeah yeah and i mean if you're if you're the kind of person or you have the kind of group and and i know these exist i mean i i know and maybe i'm talking maybe i'm preaching to the choir here with our listeners you know being people who are already into exalted but I've heard of so many people over the years who play role-playing games that essentially boiled down to the DM or whatever, picking a new monster every week, you know, and being like, all right, you guys are going to fight this. And I'm like, where was the story though? Oh, we didn't have a story. We just fought, you know, he, he just threw these things at us and we tried to fight them. And, and there are so many people who that's their entire experience with role oh, playing. that's sad. Some of those people well, may have moved over to Exalted because of the power level, and not and not really thought as much about the story. And so for them, you know, th- okay, I'm going to challenge you guys this week with an abyssal. I'm going to challenge you guys this week with two abyssals. Uh, now I'm going to bring in a behemoth from outside creation and a fair f- like. Don't do that. Just don't do in that. In this corner, I mean, the okay unconquered son himself. <clears throat> You know, (laughs) I mean, like, there's just no reason to do that. Just make it about the story, and then all of the challenge and all of the engagement is there from the beginning. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I I don't think that this is. I mean, I I understand where Cedric's question comes from. I know that it is a perceived problem, but I think that in a lot of groups where story is king. Uh, I don't think it's as much of a problem. And I don't mean to make light of people, you know, people who do think it's a problem. It's just in my experience and with the kind of people that, that, uh, that I've role played with throughout my life, the the fact that we take, you know, that we played, you know, something like five, six games of exalted, you know, and, and never took a point of damage that, that just didn't bother. That didn't bother me at all. I, th- I, I was fine. I do want to point so. out that, you know, even if someone is doing like a monster of the week in Exalted, that's not wrong as long as you're having fun. Just just to be clear, yeah. like we don't think yeah. if you're listening and your game is just basically a gladiator arena every week of different stuff and you like that, then keep playing that. Yeah. We're just saying that, you know, based on what we like out of games, you know, that seems really shallow when Exalted could allow for such deep and complex storytelling right and if you haven't tried doing the deep and complex storytelling and you have just done like kind of the monster of the week give it a try and if you don't know how to write your own stories well maybe here in a couple of weeks we will um we'll do a we'll do a discussion on how to do that and get you on the track of putting more story into your game. Yeah. We'll tell you all, all about how to strain relationships by murdering children. (laughs) 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 It's a great time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Thank goodness. Some of those things were on play by post, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I want to say that when I read that post, I was physically upset in the real world like what has he done why that was a child oh man yeah yeah that was rough but hey it made for a great story All right. Well, hey, let's uh, let's move on to our character seed of the week this week, brought to us by Chuck. Chuck, tell us what you brought. All right. So my character concept is right hand to the prince, 
Mm. And it goes a little something like this. After this solar exalted, he was drawn to a valley in creation. By the way, I left it, um, Corey, I left this really vague, so it's not like locked into one of right. the directions. No, I think that's what we should do like with that. our seed. Our seed should be right. very generic. Okay. So after this lawgiver exalted, he was drawn to a certain valley in creation. And once there, he found a small city that, while it wasn't withering away, it certainly wasn't prospering. So as he explored it, walked its streets, he discovered that it was actually a manse and that this city had grown up around it. Mm. But it wasn't just any manse it was a manse that was built by one of his previous exaltations Mm. so he did a more thorough search of this area and found this hidden cavern which had a hearthstone that created this um like bountiful effect where the crop yield was always extremely higher than it really should be and once he was able to attune to that hearthstone and activate it, the city really, uh, you know, turned turned for the better. So after doing that, he insinuated himself into the royal family as kind of a trusted advisor. And between his social prowess and his activation of the hearthstone, the city began to prosper greatly and is becoming this huge like up-and-coming mover and shaker in the local politics because of its power and its resources and this solar resides within the confines of the royal family basically controlling almost every aspect of the city's management kind of like he's just a puppet master in this city And I even made up a sample character sheet that I'm going to be uploading to the website. Uh, so if you look for the right hand of the prince character seed, you'll be able to download this character sheet. It will be completely built, and you could print it out and use it in a game right away if you wanted to. Cool. Awesome. That's cool. I dig it. That's a very cool, very cool idea. Got some mystery to it. Got some, uh, got a neat kind of uh, manse and get to be the head of a nation. I, I like it. It's like it's a, a Rasputin kind of character, like the power behind oh, the yeah, throne. Yeah. 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 You know, originally I was building it as um, I had a lot more influence on the character sheet than I do now because I wanted, I wanted him to actually be the ruler. But then the more I thought about it, not only was it eating up a lot of merits and it was starting to require a lot more charms that I feared I wouldn't be able to purchase all of those for. It just seemed more interesting to play. If, if he's going to be such a socially aspected character, right. well then why not have him behind the scenes, which has this built in need to play it more socially. Right. Yeah. Okay, cool. No, because he doesn't cool. have direct control. Right. Yeah. Awesome. All right, very cool. Well, since we did our uh, recorded listener feedback a little earlier in the in the show, wanted to just highlight an email that we received this week from uh, one, one of our longtime listeners, first-time writer, <laughs> Mr. Jeff S. He says, if I can ever figure out how to get my iPhone to send an audio file with my email, I'll send future questions that way. Well, I'd like to address that, Jeff. Uh, one way that you can get that done, and this is for anybody else out there who's looking for ways that they can get a voice recording to us. If you have an iPhone, and remember, I live in a totally Apple world. I have no idea <laughs> uh, what you other people just in the wild up, west people. of You're crazy You're going to hear technology. that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you will never not hear him preach about Apple. Just deal with yes. it and move on. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So if you have an iPhone, you're just going to want to go to the voice memos app that is should already be pre-installed on your phone if it's not you can just go to the app store search for apps by apple you'll find this thing about voice memos you can just record yourself talking 30 seconds something like that hit stop hit the share button go to email 
type in the deliberative podcast at gmail.com hit send you're done that's the way you do it jeff glad we could help you today and if you have any other apple questions please send them to deliberative <laughs> yeah, podcast your, yeah <laughs> <laughs> actually send those to cory dot five poles at gmail.com yeah. <laughs> yeah wow yeah that you're really gonna yeah that's exactly right. But how, so, any of you guys use any of that other mess that people have out there? This uh, what what do they call them these days? The and the Androids, the Windows. Oh phones. shut Gosh, it! I can't. I don't know how you do it on there. I guess you just push buttons and pray. That's about all you can do. <laughs> I kid, I kid. You, hey, you right there who's about to turn off the podcast and leave and never come back because we insulted your Windows Woo. phone. You know oh, who you goodness. are. Keep listening. We love you anyway. Okay. All right. But that about wraps it up for this week. Now, where can folks find more of your stuff, Charles? Well, Corey, you can find me streaming Android Netrunner on YouTube every Friday from 2100 to 2300 Eastern Standard Time. My channel name is System Outage. And I also go by Lucky Chucky on the Onyx Path official forums. That's L-U-K-K-Y-C-H-U-K-K-Y. And if you want to contact me directly, if you have suggestions about my companion podcast, Chatting with the Chuckster, you can email me at charles.5polls at gmail.com. All right. What about you, Jim? Well, you can always find me here on the Deliberative Podcast. You can find me at the website 5 And if you need to reach me direct, you can email me at james.5polls at gmail.com. All right, and I go by Numa Pilot on the official forums and really just about everywhere else in the known universe. Also, don't forget to check out our website, fivepoles.com. You can also find us on Facebook at The Deliberative Podcast. And finally, why don't you give us a follow on Twitter, handle at DeliberativePod. All the cool kids are doing it. All the cool kids are doing I'm it. I'm not cool. Jim hasn't done it yet. I am not cool. <laughs> 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 well, I got, I'm waiting for my book Twitter for Dummies to come in that I ordered on Amazon so that I can figure out how to do it because I've never done Twitter. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm 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 actually kind of a Twitter noob myself. But all right. And if you have any question or issue that you would like to discuss on the deliberative, please send your question to us at the deliberative podcast at gmail.com. And if at all possible. Send us a recording of yourself asking the question or making the comment. We'll put you on the air. We'll make you sound great. Thanks for listening to the Deliberative Podcast. Now go forth and bring righteousness to the world as you know best. Goodbye, guys. Bye. See you.